And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative, and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Friday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Mark, I know that this is going to cause some traffic issues for you um, down in your part of town and also just issues of drunk people walking around. So I just want to bring you on to see uh, how you're going to cope with that. I will steer clear of that chaos. St. Patrick's Day in New York City is a lot like New Year's Eve. It's, uh, you know, amateur hour. Yeah, it really is. And I'm not sure why we need parades anyway. I know they're supposed to be really happy things. It seems like a lot. And it's like, it's so messy and people are barfing all over the place. Also, it's like this, like what no one in, <laughs> nobody in New York City is happy about this, but all these people come in from like the outer boroughs and the suburbs and all these kids come in. It's just like a little bit of a nightmare. I'm not sure. I'm anti-parade. Is that terrible? I really am. I just find it to be like gross. It always like Ugh, it's such a cleanup. It's a it's like a pain in the neck for the municipalities. Ah, I don't know. Why? Why do we need this? Not to mention that you hate bagpipes. Not to mention that I hate bagpipes. And I want to hear from you Irish people. I'm sorry. It's just the squeal of that. And also, I don't love crowds. I really don't. Like, I'm not good in crowds, even though I was a trader and I worked in a pit. I don't love crowds. Anyway, thank God this week is over. What a week it's been. Good Lord. These are the kinds of weeks that um, make Mark's job so hard because we're scheduled to do a whole bunch of things. And then, you know, the show needs me, the network needs me. And uh, yesterday was a prime example of this. I was supposed to be on the network to talk about layoffs and what you can do to protect yourself. But then things went south with Credit Suisse. And um, so I had to be on the show for the top of the seven o'clock hour and then also in the eight o'clock hour. What we thought we would do is just kind of talk about both of these segments because I didn't go in depth with either because the show was packed with stuff. So Mark, let's first uh, go into the initial segment about Credit Suisse. And then we'll talk on the other side of this. 
New worries over the worldwide banking system and it focuses on one of Europe's biggest banks. Stocks and Credit Suisse plunged yesterday over concerns about its finances. Shares did rebound this morning after Switzerland's central bank agreed to lend more than $50 billion to the bank. And today, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen in this country is expected to testify before the Senate and tell lawmakers that the banking system remains sound despite two major banks failing this week in this country. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger is with us. Jill, good morning. I want to talk about this country, but let's start with Credit Suisse. Uh, what happened there and why does it matter? Well, first of all, Credit Suisse has been the problem child of the, U- of the European banking system for a long time, plagued with scandals, mismanagement. But what has occurred this week is they've said, hey, our auditors found a material weakness in our financial controls. This really put people on edge, especially after the news of the banking sector here. They said that their largest shareholder would not add to their coffers and take more equity. And this just caused a cascading feeling of, oh, my God, what's who's going to be next? Other European banks came under pressure, but it is Credit Suisse particularly that's always been a problem throughout Europe. So I hear you talking about a material weakness, which is real, but then also fears and senses and perception. So are we in a real financial crisis or only a perceived one? Well, it's hard to tell. We're sort of in the eye of the storm right now. I don't think that we are going to see a cascading financial crisis because things are really different than 2008. First of all, the largest banks are in much better financial condition. Janet Yellen is going to say that today. But more importantly, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury and the Swiss National Bank and the European Central Bank, they're acting quickly and decisively. You know, they're not letting something move on into territory where they can't come in until the last minute. So I think that has helped stave off this panic that is real. That said, we are human beings, and as you say, All financial systems and banking, it's based on confidence. And if we're shaky, we're going to be twittery when we get these kinds of news. Quickly on the Fed, we expected a a, a basis point increase in interest rates next week. Is that still going to happen? Are they at the center of this? Um, They're at the center of this. Remember, a lot of what's happening right now is due to the extra low interest rates that we saw leading up to the pandemic, more money flowing into the system during the pandemic, risk taking increasing. But this situation has truly exposed that that when you have low interest rates for a long time, people take risks. When interest rates go back up, those risks are exposed. Next week, it's about 50-50. Some people think we're going to get a quarter of a percentage point. Many think the Fed is going to go on pause. We'll have to wait and see. All right. We're in the eye of the storm. Jill Schlesinger, thank you. Uh, Okay. So, Mark, you know, I have been really thinking about this and I'm going to talk a lot about it over the weekend. I'm going to post something on the website on JillOnMoney.com because I've really been thinking about like what happened here with the regulation? What happened with the regulation of this bank? As we've been talking about over the last, say, 10 days, the regulation that went in place after the 2008 financial crisis and the Great Recession was called Dodd-Frank. And Dodd-Frank was like a weird um, law anyway. It was like this very uh, wide and sweeping law, but you didn't. You probably didn't realize this, but it, it left a lot of the details to the regulators themselves. You know, regulators get lobbied like anyone else, and they get pressured by lawmakers. So in the beginning, things were really tight. So there was like two tiers of different financial companies, and they were like the biggies and the teeny tiny little ones. And then there's also kind of the middle market. If you had less than $50 billion in deposits, you're a little guy and you didn't have as many regulations. But everyone above that level had the exact same. 
So Mark, you remember, you remember this, I'm sure that like there was this period of time where, you know, like in 2015 and 2016, we've got some distance from the crisis and the smaller or medium sized banks were like, wait, these regulations, it's not fair. We're not the big guys. We don't put the economy at risk. We're not the systemically important companies. And so they, uh, they lobbied Congress and they lobbied regulators. And they won. And they won. And in 2018, instead of anyone under $50 billion getting an easier regulatory regime, they raised that level to $250 billion. Now, Silicon Valley Bank, $210 billion. Signature, hundreds of billions, right? So it's all like right in that sweet spot. And so what that meant was that it's not like there's no regulation, but there is different regulation. So the regulation is the state of California for Silicon Valley Bank, right? It's always state uh, state banking regulators. And the federal um, regulator is the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. There are 12 regional Federal Reserve Banks and what each of them does is kind of oversees their area. And Mark, have you been reading a lot of like people are freaking out? They're like, why is someone from Silicon Valley Bank on the board of the San Francisco Fed? Have you been hearing about that part? Gang, everyone take a deep breath. This is by design. We want regulators and bankers to talk to each other. We need communication. This is how they know what is going on at a lot of these banks. It is how you got someone like Janet Yellen, who used to run the San Francisco Fed during the housing crisis, to say to people at the Federal Reserve, hey, these bankers are telling us there's some wacky stuff going on. It was like they would raise the red flag in some respects. So that's by design. But here's the thing. The San Francisco Fed in the fourth quarter of last year identified a huge number of depository risks for Silicon Valley Bank and other banks that were in the Western region. Here is our question to ask. Why did the San Francisco Fed not raise the warning signal? Why didn't they intervene? What happened? That seems to be the breakdown. And that's the question that I'm going to be following. Anyway, we're going to talk a lot about that on the website this weekend. So you'll have to go to jillonmoney.com to check it out. Okay. While you're on the website, I forgot to plug this. Hey, you can actually subscribe to a brand new service. It's called Jill on Money Live, and you're going to have access to quarterly live webinars. Do you think I'm about to do an outro? Because I'm not. So stay tuned. Stop skipping ahead, everyone. We have a whole nother segment to talk about. You know what I love? I love when the news cycle coincides with a pitch. I had pitched the idea of creating a layoff protection plan segment. And everyone's like, but the job market's so strong. And then Meta announced that they were laying off another 11,000 employees. So then I got this on the air. So this is the uh, layoff protection segment that I did. And the anchors, oh, in the first segment, I was talking to Tony DeCopel, who is one of the anchors. In the second segment, it's Tony DeCopel, and it is Vladimir Dutier, and it is Adriana Diaz, who is sitting in for Gail King. So um, here is the segment. We're talking in Money Watch about how to protect yourself and your job in uncertain economic times. This week's Facebook uh, parent company, Meta, announced plans to lay off another 10,000 employees after cutting 11,000 jobs back in November. It is just one of the many tech companies reducing their workforce this year. This along with the Silicon 
Valley Bank collapse and high inflation is many Americans on edge. And you just heard that introduction. She needs no introduction. CBS <laughs> News business analyst Jill Schlesinger is back with what you need to know. Dollar, dollar, Jill. What's up? Good morning. I know. I'm sorry we're laughing because this is like pretty serious. People are losing their jobs. Yes. I don't want people to freak out. No. So that's the question we have for you. What should people know about the state of the economy right now when they see numbers like that, when they see the collapse of that bank and there perhaps will be others? What do you want them to be? focused on. I think the most important thing is that actually the economy is doing okay right now. And we hear a lot of layoffs in the technology sector, certainly layoffs in the media sector. But overall, the job situation remains pretty good. If we look at last month, 311,000 jobs created. We're very deep into a recovery. The unemployment rate is at 3.6%. It's pretty close to these 50-year lows. And we also look back, say, six months, and average job creation for the last six months, over 340,000 jobs a month. This is a market in terms of the labor market and an economy that continues to produce jobs. That said, I hate to be a buzzkill, Jill, because I play one on TV. <laughs> when things are good, that's when I actually want to talk about what you should be thinking about in case you're worried about a layoff. Well, before we get to the layoffs, let's talk about you have a job and you want more money for that job. In your book, Great Money Reset, you talk about being an advocate for yourself at work. I want to talk about quiet quitters in a second also. But for, for people looking for that raise, how should they go about getting it? I think what's most important when we look at our careers is to understand that we have power. It's not unlimited power, but we have to be able to have conversations with the people who we work with and for. So before you book this conversation, though, you want to do some homework and you really have to button up what you're asking for. And I think this is incredibly important. People want different things. So do I want more flex time? Do I want a raise? Do I want uh, do I want vacation? And then I really want to understand what's going on at my company. Because if I work at Meta right now and I go in and ask for a raise, they're going to look at me like, you're nuts, Jill, right? So you understand the landscape of the company. You have to practice your pitch. You really should. And I think this is good to have a friend that you can just say, hey, Vlad, let's run through this. Let me look at this. And you also want to make sure you don't act like a jerk. You want to lose the ego. Even if you're in a business that really does value what you're doing, don't be that person who pounds the desk. Don't make ultimatums. And please do not burn bridges. Life is short and people move around quite a bit. But you have to open the conversation. I remember I had a short stint in finance, um, and I remember we were, they, we were literally taught that men were more likely to go into the office and ask for that raise than women, and that was part of why men are paid more, because they're opening their mouths. So it's really, this is such good advice. Quiet quitting, though. We got to talk about quiet quitting. This is like this idea of people who are really losing engagement in their, in their jobs, doing the bare minimum. I imagine this is not a time for that. Yes. I mean, look, I don't want to sound like old Aunt Jill saying there is no such thing as work-life balance. However, I think at a time where the economy is becoming a lot more uncertain and we see layoffs that are starting to spread into other sectors, now might be the time where I actually get more engaged, where I raise my hand and I ask for more of the responsibility. It's a weird thing how quickly things can turn. To go back in time, you can say just a, a year and a half ago, employers and employees had a really different view of what was going on. Employees had a lot of power. Now that's shifting and things can turn very quickly. So please don't go sort of on your back feet. It's action time, not passivity yeah. time. If you're going to quit, quit loud. Yeah. Get out there. <laughs> that's Own when it. they pound the table. Own yeah. it. 
Mark, a couple things I actually didn't get to in the in the segment. Number one is if you are really freaked out about uh, a layoff looming, and just like we've talked about with so many people on this show, especially the government um, employees, stockpile cash, six to 12 months of your living expenses. Make sure that you got that money safe in an FDIC insured institution. So make sure that you have that. If you are laid off, be careful because the first thing that happens is they're going to ask you to sign something. Don't sign anything because many companies will negotiate much better severance packages. If you're still working and everything is fine and dandy, then just find out what the standard severance is at your company. By the way, severance is income, so it's taxable. Um, If you get health insurance through your job, you would always be entitled to COBRA, but it's very expensive. So you may want to just kind of poke around with the um, at healthcare.gov. With retirement plans, we always talk to people when they leave their uh, their firms that you can leave your retirement account where it is. You can roll it into an IRA rollover or a Roth, or you can, if you're lucky enough, you have a new job, then you can go ahead and put that money in there. By the way, a, a very dear friend of mine was laid off and it was very important for me. I realized when I was talking to her, cause I was a little bit like, oh, come on, like shake it off kid. But I realized that it's, it's depressing, even if it's part of a broader layoff. Like this was just like, oh, worked for a technology company, lost our funding, got wiped out, right? But what I did realize was that she really felt like, you know, really depressed about it. And I said, you know, it's this is not actually an indictment of what you did. It's a reflection of management and the economy. And, you know, it's it sucks, but, you know, this is what you should do. Like you reach out to your friends and your family. And then, you know, you can sit on that pity pot for just a little bit of time. But then, please, gang, number one, write down the accomplishments that you had at that company. Update your resume and make your job hunt a full-time job. Make Put yourself on a schedule. And I think that you'll be happier for doing that. All right. I think that's it. That's the program. That's your Friday. Uh, What do we have? Oh, this weekend, we have such a fun weekend. We're going to do like a weekend roundtable. And um, it's with some of my CBS News colleagues. So you're going to be very excited to hear that. And if you have a financial question, just go to jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. Don't forget to subscribe to our brand new service, Jill on Money Live, Ed Slot coming up at the end of this month. And buy my book, The Great Money Reset. You know what someone said to me? Your book is so good, whether you have a reset that is you're contemplating for yourself or one that's imposed upon you. I'd like everyone to go through like the process in case they were to be reset. You know, you never know when that could happen. Hey, it's Friday. Time for a little business. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman, Karen Kranick, the web queen extraordinaire. Mark Talercio is our executive producer and sometimes co-host. We are distributed by Cadence 13. Would you please leave us a rating and review on Apple and put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. 
They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.